we are being shadow banned and we need your help. This will not cost you any money, though, if you want to send us money, sure. Yes, and thank you. But what we need for you to do is to grab your phone, which 85% of you are listening to this podcast on right now. So follow the string from your headphones into your pocket or reach over, put down the wet dishes, reach and grab your phone, put it in your hand. Okay, now go onto the Instagram app. For many of you, it might be open already. Now search for We Are Curious Foxes. You'll see that little orange fox and go ahead and click on follow. Go ahead, do it. It's all that it's going to take to help us ensure that the content we're creating actually reaches you. The Curious Folks team works tirelessly and diligently to create and curate content that explores love, sex, and relationships, to bring inspiration and permission to those who are curious about all things love, sex, and relationships. We bring this content to you on our podcast, on our blog, on our Patreon, and on our social media. And right now, on social media, our efforts are being silenced by algorithms and ambiguous community guidelines. And our posts are held at ransom by ad revenue quotas or rejected because we want to talk about masturbation as self-love or tantric meditation or relationship anarchy. We've never really counted our follows or likes because this is not a popularity contest for us. But all of the research, all of the consultants we spoke to gave us the same advice. The bigger your audience, the more you can stand up to the arbitrary censorship and shadow banning. So look for the little orange fox on Instagram, find that blue button that says follow and just push it and help us push back on censorship. Thank you. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This is a podcast for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And my name is Jacqueline Misla, and this is our 40th episode. Woo! We made it. We survived. Yeah. I'm very excited. Congratulations to us. Congratulations to us. This feels fitting because this is, well, not, this is your 40th year. It's almost my 40th year, but not quite. Yes. I am now entering my fifth decade yes. on this planet, having completed my fourth decade. Nice. And have you learned all the things? Are you much wiser now? I am much wiser and I have more awareness that I know nothing at the same time. <laughs> I think that's where I am. Like, I, I think it's one of those things, right? The, the, the more you know, is the more you realize what you don't know. Uh-huh. Yes. I think I'm at that. Like, I have that wisdom of like, yes, I know nothing. I feel like for your 40th birthday, I would. So did you ever see Beauty and the Beast? Which version? Uh, I guess Disney. Yes, Disney. And you know when Belle sees the Beast library for the first time? And it's Mm -hmm. just like like a gigantic stadium-sized room of books. Like that's what I would Mm -hmm. get for your birthday. I would just be like, here, (laughs) this all is yours. And then you could just indulge your curiosity and read all the time. That would be probably the best gift that I've ever had. My adventures took me to a townhouse in the west side of new york Mm -hmm. and it was one of those townhouses that you see in the movies with like an elevator that you pull one of those like like inside the house there was an elevator that you you went in and you pulled a thing across you and it went up to go upstairs yeah it was one of those and this person owned the whole building and it looked like as if it was in the movies they hosted me in the library of the house (laughs) and the library of the house was one of those like double decker libraries with a with oh, a wooden like ladder with a ladder and a and a walk pa- like a walk path like a, a pathway so you would like step up to the ladder and to the second second floor like the second level yeah. you walked around and picked your books and then you could like come oh. down on the other ladder and immediately I was like 
I can wow. think of three movies that I've seen this in. They're like, yep, yep, they film movies here. Wow. So, yeah, that was beautiful. Do they have, like, their own librarian? Did they have, like, house staff, and one of which was, like, a librarian, and they had, like, a Dewey Decimo system that they had to follow, and where they just were, like, walking around? Like, were you, were they like, man, that where is that book? You know, where is that? Four like, days later, still strolling about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ask, but that, that's a really good question to ask, whether they had, like, the library, or was it was it maybe, like, I don't know if they had, like, sections, like, this is the, yes. this is, like, literature. Yes, a Barnes and Noble employee goes there, like, at night and, like, knows how to sort it all. Yes. See, all right, so I would get you the library, but then one of the books you would, like, pull down and a secret door would open Ooh. and it would lead to, like, like, a sexy dungeon. That would be a part of the gift. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, gifting is not my love language, but I think I just fell in love. yeah nerdy sexy and then maybe like there's got to be like a space for you to dance too because that's important like i'm now i need to figure out all the ways and like silks that hang i'm gonna gonna sign this all out because as you know i have i'm not yet 40 i'm 39 do you know i was in the car the other day and i was like how old am i and i had to do the math like i had to remember what does that ever happen to you because outside of the milestone birthdays, I don't remember how old I am. Well, I was born in 1980, which makes it really easy to know what, yes. what age I'm at. So yes. like, I just, you just look at the year and you know immediately. Yes. And then it, right. unfortunately, I'm at the end. So You do it by the year, though. But like in between, when you were like 37 or 38, were you like, did you have to do the math or do you just remember? Oh, I'm 37 right now. I don't need to remember. I think I just, you just by looking at the date, you kind of know, yeah. right? Like, yeah. So I, that's what I have to do. I have to look at the date. So anyway, I, I like, and, and each time I remember, it like feels horrifying to me just because any like mild, new milestone. So I was mm-hmm. like, wait, am I? Could that be? And then I had the map <laughs> prove that I was. But I have been thinking about it. I've been planning what my 40th would be like already. And so um, now I'm going to plan yours as well. So now I'm just going to add everyone's 40th birthday parties to my I love it. to do list. You know, I think this can be um, because you don't have enough jobs. I think it should be your side. <laughs> this should be your this should be your side hustle, and that you should planner. yeah, you should um, because you just you know you just have so much free time, Jackie. I feel like you know you just lay about and do nothing all day. So it's true. And can I tell you? Of course, my fortieth birthday ambition it would take a lot of work because in my vision, I would rent out House of Yes, which is this like club in Brooklyn where there is like folks who dress up and there is like drag queens and strippers and there's like a gigantic human-sized cage that people dance in and it rotates mm-hmm. so I'd rent that out I would have like pre-learned a bunch of choreographed dances nice so that like when I got there there'd be like an intro song I would get in the cage at some point they would like spin me and I would do all sorts of like cool things because for a year before that I had been doing you know Pilates like my to to achieve this thing I really should have started working on it like months ago like Uh all the quarantine should have been dedicated to me preparing for this vision that I have in my mind your 40th birthday yeah and I use it for motivation when I run because I hate running but I run I as I run I listen to the music that I would be playing and I just think about how fit I have to be in order to like be you know, upside down in that birdside cage. So, of course, you have a 40th planned birthday in your head. In fact, this is exactly what we should be talking about how you have a 40th birthday planned in your head in your 30s. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like hurtling towards my 40th and don't even know which country I'm going to be in. I mean, let's have that on the record as a representation of what kind of people we are. I think we're done here. Let's start the episode, is what I have to say. <laughs> I think, uh, true i'm like trying to like figure out how to put a deposit down in the midst of quarantine to hold the space well i want to be there that's all i that's all i care about i'm gonna go to your library sex dungeon you'll yes. come to my birthday bash and i could be your like go-go dancer i can be like a yes. backup dancer Yes, you'll spin the cage. For I'll me. spin the cage. I'll spin the cage, and I'll like get everybody in the mood yes. and get everybody moving. Um, yeah, I love it. I feel like we are ready for forty. That's right. So, because this is our fortieth episode, what? we actually got to celebrate 
by speaking with the incredibly thoughtful and honest and hilarious Christina Hutchinson. She is the co-host of Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast, as well as her solo show, The Voices in Our Heads. Christina is a New York-based stand-up comedian or writer. She's been featured in Comedy Central, True TV, Netflix, and she is just a great overall human being. I actually want to start things off by, as we were thinking about why we would want you to come on the show, the thing that really comes up for me is you're also doing a podcast and that's very focused on anti-slut shaming that's that's what you're mm-hmm. doing and what we believe in what we do why we do this work is the idea of changing the changing the noise right and the idea is we have a homogenous noise that's around us we don't necessarily choose be it our social media be it our social um bubbles our family so we have this homogenous noise that we don't always choose and the idea is to give people different be it shows you know, people to follow, people to listen, things to listen to, things to read that just tweak that noise. So you're making some intentional, conscious choices around what you're, what you're hearing. And the idea is to have as broad of a spectrum of things that you hear, you know, and see how that affects you. And I would say your podcast, Guys We Fuck, is definitely one of those things I would put in people's lists of like, just tune into it. Just like tune your noise into that for a little bit and see, (laughs) see what it does to you. Thanks. Yeah. So um, for those of our listeners who don't know about your podcast, can you tell us about it? Can you tell us what it's about and where it came from? Absolutely. So guys, we fucked the anti slut shaming podcast started almost seven years ago. My comedy partner, Corinne Fisher, and I had been working together for three years, doing various projects, doing stand up comedy shows, uh, producing stuff, making videos. And she Corinne got dumped by um, a guy. I think it's the first time she ever got dumped, but she got dumped by a guy who she thought was the love of her life at, in the moment. And it kind of came out of the blue for her. She got dumped in a Panera Bread after she paid for his <laughs> lunch. Um, oh, and that kind of sent her down a, a spiral. Yeah, she went, she spiraled. She spiraled. Um, you know, we've all, I mean, oh God, I've certainly had terrible breakups. But, you know, when you're, when you're in the throes of it and you lose 10 pounds in a week, like that kind of your tongue, her tongue turned gray. Like it, she, it really took a toll on her and, and, through that type of introspection that you're almost forced to have, she was like, we should just interview every guy we've ever dated, we've ever fucked, we've ever been boyfriend, girlfriend with to learn more about ourselves. And we should do it for a podcast so that, you know, the person doesn't have to um, reveal their identity. We'll just call it guys we fucked. And I was like, yes, yeah, yes, we should. And that idea, I remember, you know, when I, when one of us has an idea and we're like, ah, this is really fucking good. We keep bringing it up to each other. So as, as a reminder of like, ah, I really want to do that guys we fuck thing. I think it's I think it's going to hit. So the podcast started out with us interviewing a guy. One of us is fucked. And then we both. It's so funny. We both. Corinne had a, you know, a long term relationship during the podcast that started midway. My I already I had been dating my boyfriend for two years at that point. So when we started the podcast, Corinne was really I have said this in my this is not happening story, but this it's really the only way to say it. We we each had a person in our lives who caused a lot of emotional turmoil. And for Corinne, it was that ex who dumped her. But for me, it was my current boyfriend's uh, famous porn star Mm ex-girlfriend who was haunting me. Seemed like it was chasing me around the city. But now that I'm out of this seven year relationship, because now I'm single, it's such a wild. The podcast taken such a weird turn. I can look back and look at some of those behaviors that I have with that seven year person that I put on the highest pedestal there ever was, Mm -hmm. like I do with all the guys I date, which is a thing I have to learn. There was a lot of gaslighting there, a lot of telling me things about his porn star ex. Her name's Stoya because I know people always want to know who Mm -hmm. it is. So I was, (laughs) she doesn't care if I talk about her. (laughs) She's lovely. Um, So yeah, like there's a lot of gaslighting there, but I, I was very, in terms of sexual relationships. It's one of the best sexual relationships I've ever had was with that with that guy for seven years. So we were very sexually adventurous. And the podcast mm-hmm. got me to got me the guts to tell him that I wanted to be cuckolded. I wanted I didn't want to get fucked in front of him. I wanted him to fuck somebody in front of me. Mm-hmm. Just different sexual ventures. We would go to um sex parties. We would go to sex clubs and yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. So this podcast has taken a crazy turn because then when I broke up with them, we we had we did this episode about two years ago called the breakup episode because we ended up both breaking up with our boyfriends at the same time and not telling each other and then wow. like revealing it. So we had this like monumental breakup episode that I highly recommend anybody going through heartache listen to it. I think it's very helpful. 
And yeah, so the podcast has been like just this weird ride. It's, and it's taken so many evolutions. We've interviewed you, Effie. We've interviewed, mm-hmm. we've interviewed Amanda Knox, um, who was in an Italian prison for years after she was accused of murdering her. This is like this famous case I remember in the early 2000s. Yeah. And we interviewed her about sex. Like just we've had the craziest experiences on this podcast where we've interviewed people that I never thought we'd ever talk to. Amber Rose, that was our first big interview Whoa. where I was like, holy shit, she wants to do our podcast. <laughs> um, and we, and, but since then we've interviewed so many people that are just brilliant minds, Dan Savage. I mean, mm-hmm. just, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me is guys. We fucked Cause it's, 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 I'm so fascinated with it <laughs> yeah. and I go host it. So it's great. Cur- curiosity is the key. <laughs> yeah. When you like yeah. want to listen to it afterwards. That'll happen. I think yeah. I will like, well, I'll be listening to it and my, my, my daughter will be like, what, isn't that you? I'm like, yes, but it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Gotta- yeah. It's so genuine and real. <laughs> like, did you hear what that person said? Like, did you hear? Yeah, no, it's true. Well, it sounds like it was, I mean, it was exactly what you had hoped, right? That it was an opportunity for you to learn about yourself, but also open yourself up to so many different things. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. I got to be honest. And I was, I would say that I was pretty vanilla when it started, uh, but I loved sex. I mean, I still do. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. hate it now. I love it. But I was pretty vanilla, uh, but I was really obs- kind of obsessed with people who led alternative lifestyles in terms of kink and like who incorporated. Mm-hmm. When I learned about people sometimes incorporate kink into their everyday life, I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> and I just, ugh. And Dan Savage's Savage Love Cast really opened me up to. Mm-hmm. Just w- there's so many possibilities out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So you you've been a comedian for a while, and you've been a writer, and so you were had some sense of being able to take your story and your narrative and your history, a make it funny, and b be able to like tell that story in front of an audience. What is your process of because this like platform of podcast feels super intimate? Like it's oh, just it the three of us right now having a conversation. We can talk about anything right now, and I feel really good about it. And then at some point, I'll look at the numbers. And I'm like, oh wait, three thousand people listen to that. Like, oh, yeah. that was a oh. thing that just happened. Everyone just heard that story that I just said to the three of us. Like, did you have to get used to that? Oh, that gave me. I had so many panic attacks over that because we didn't think anyone was going to listen, um, and that's why we were able to talk so openly because we're like, ah, no one's going to listen to this shit, um, and we really thought that, um, or at least not to the point. And and so every time we would get press, we would get press organically. Um, we never had a press person until like a year ago, but the first five years, fucking Vogue emailed us, New York Times, like all these people were like, what the fuck? Like this, it really took its own life and we we did not expect it and so that but that's really um a testament to whenever you set out to make something great like the next big thing it's not gonna go like you planned but if you just set out to do something that you're like i think this is good and that's what you focus on it's Mm -hmm. gonna blow up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i was terrified what started to happen was um, and that, this is what went into us going behind a paywall is that people, people I knew, people I knew casually, people I just met, they would, they would, they had such easy access to the podcast. You just pull up iTunes or whatever app and then mm. you could listen to anything. Mm. My mother was on the podcast and, you know, famously I talked about when I was 16 and I first had sex for the first time. Uh, my mom never really talked to me about sex, but I also pushed her away whenever she tried to. Mm. And then one night in a restaurant, she asked me if I was still a virgin and I didn't want to lie to her. So I said, no, I'm not a virgin. And she left the restaurant and I had to call my dad to pick me up. I was 16. She didn't talk to me for days. That She abandoned me. And that was really, that was a really big problem. And I didn't even know that it was wrong at the time. I just thought something was wrong with me. And then in the biggest 180, after attempting to hide the, the podcast from my mother for the first two years, because she doesn't even like me cursing, let alone, guys, we fucked. So <laughs> she ended up coming on the podcast and telling me how she was sexually assaulted when she was 11. And that's why she had that reaction. And I was like, Ooh. holy hell, you would have wow. died without ever telling me that. How oh, wow. weird. So, but that's so, that's my mom. Like, my mommy, I love her. And I don't, I just, anybody having access, I just. So that was a big thing in us going behind a paywall and our listeners. Luckily, they, it's nice. I'm glad that they hear the difference because we're comfortable again and we divulge again. So, Right. Yeah. That's amazing for your mom to never ever mention it before and then come on the podcast. Did you know that she was going to mention it or did she just like drop it in the middle of an episode? She just dropped it. What? Uh, well, I asked her. 
that was the first time I asked her, why did you do that? Why did you, why did you leave? I was a baby and it made me think that sex was bad and fucked me up. And then, but then she told this beautiful story about, because she's bipolar and she was medicated. She was medicated to the point of hallucinating and she lived in a car for three months when I was five. I don't remember this, but, and my dad was in the military. So I just, there's no one around. And my brother was nine years older than me. And, um, and you know, they had a lot of, they separated and got back together. And there was this one moment she told me, she, she's like, you know, one time I asked your dad, cause I was just so, I was so bipolar. (laughs) I I was, you know, and I was up and down and I was mean to him. And I was like, how can you still love me? And I was like, oh my God, like that episode had so many tender, beautiful moments that I never would have gotten with my own mother. And yeah. I just want to protect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And also just having all these people bear witness to it. It's like so powerful. It's not only that you're living it and you have like millions of people bearing witness to it. Like it's profound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what got her to do it. Because when she found out the name of the podcast, she was like, what the fuck? And um, <laughs> she's like, that's so why do you have to be so vulgar? And I'm like, and I showed her some of the emails we would get. And I'm like, you don't understand, mom. This is not what you think it is. It is not some salacious thing. It's not something to push buttons. It's a place where you could have an honest conversation for the first time in your life a lot of the times, like my mom and I ended up doing. And so I showed her some of the emails about how talking about a bipolar mother really helped so-and-so with her daughter, you know? And so it's just, yeah, it Mm -hmm. just, it's crazy how something so simple and and human and easy can help somebody by just, just talking. To hear stories of other people saying like, yes, mom issues, yes, dad issues, like, yes, these things that happened to us as kids or yes, these situations we had that really built us that we then personalized and was like, oh, "Oh, I'm wrong and I'm bad to hear and to be able to heal and say, no, actually, this is happening to everyone. None of our parents know what they're doing. Like everyone is doing the best that they can. We all have childhood trauma. We all have it. I'm obsessed with childhood trauma. Once I figured out that word, I was like, wait, what happened to me was traumatic. And I, I, I could list all of the experiences that I've had with my mother that were nightmare, nightmare that her her trying attempting suicide in front of me before I go the night before I moved to college. And just like, but she's, she, and I, and I also didn't understand, but I used, oh, she was medicated and she was acting this way. And I used that as the it's, but it's okay. It's not fucking okay. I thought my mom was going to like, and so getting angry about that in a healthy way grieving that and crying Mm -hmm. for the little girl who had to see all the things really crying for yourself. And then uh, you can make room for like just so many great feelings after you've done that. So that Mm -hmm. like the importance of grieving Effie, I'm sure if you like neurobiology, that's all neurobiology. Like you get the, you recycle those feelings out of you and you make way for compassion. That's why I think most people are assholes. That's why with this people, uh, you know, not to get political, but yes, to get political, the, the Republican National Convention, all of those speeches, they're all like, get afraid of black people. And you're like, what the fuck? You racist. Fu-. But I really think that all those people had childhood trauma that they refused to confront. 100%. So there's no room in their brain for compassion for black for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like, how can you not be behind that movement? But if you don't have any compassion and that issue doesn't affect you directly, of course, you're not going to be behind it. So I feel like it. it it's helped me make sense of terrible people mm-hmm. <laughs> or people yeah, I don't the fear, like. Right. The, the fear that, it, that that creates a lack of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's the thing. It's not just understanding, then it's like doing something about it. Right. And so yeah. that's what it sounds like you guys have been on the process of too, is with each show, with each conversation, with each depth of clarity, you're like, now what? And I don't know yeah. about you, but there's tremendous pressure in that. Like as somebody who is constantly on the growth path, I'm always like, all right, Jack, you got to do better than this. And there's a lot of pressure. And I'm a mom of a daughter, by the way. Oh, yeah. And so, and knowing about childhood trauma, understanding my own, understanding what it means, there are oh. moments where I say things to her and I'm like, God damn it. I Every, just, like, yeah. Right? I'm like, I'm doing it right now. This is the moment 20 years from now, she's going to be on some <laughs> podcast talking about how I said to her, don't feel, <laughs> just keep moving. Don't feel, just keep moving. And I'm like, oh, shit. And but so, you can always walk it back. Like, I feel like as long as you're aware of all that, she's fine. 
True. She's so in good hands. So many conversations. We have, I mean, I feel that we have flip chart paper where we like process Aww. our feelings. Yeah. We have code words for when she is embarrassed by something and wants to apologize, but feels too shy to apologize. Oh, that's great. We just have to say one word and we're like, yep, we're good. We're good Aww. now. So like that's we've been really Yeah. She says the English language thinking. doesn't have is not as yes. accessible as other other languages have words for things that I'm like. Yes. Wait, that's a really good idea to have a word for that <laughs> because people and Americans, I think, too, are, they, we have a hard time articulating how yes. we feel. That's mm-hmm. also a trauma thing. But like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Women say I'm sorry for everything. But yet we I, don't want yeah. to say I'm sorry for things that we probably should be saying I'm sorry for. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to make that easier. But my point is, it's hard to do something sometimes with the knowledge that you learn about yourself and like get yes. better. So good for you for being on the path. Thanks. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Particularly around healing with you referenced Doya, you referenced the special that you did, and getting over the kind of shadow of an ex is really hard. And to have like this like ongoing argument in your head with someone that doesn't isn't real, and to then confront them in real life or to have a conversation and to allow healing, I have recently gone through that process myself and it wow. has been so your story i was like i it incredibly resonated with me cuz oh, i oh wow had mm-hmm. it's rough it is rough it's rough feeling like less than but then you know it's weird so many things have happened to me in my life where i'm like are you kidding me i couldn't write this if i tried like mm-hmm. with the stoya thing like she <laughs> There was just so many things like she was on the the I said this in the story, but like when she was on the cover of the village voice, like a year into me dating Steven and it said the prettiest girl in New York City is a porn star. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then like and then I, you know, just crazy things have happened to me. And 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 I found out mm, a year ago that um, I did 23 and me and um, <laughs> a woman messaged me and she's like, you're my half sister. We share the same dad. And I was like, come again. And uh, I asked my mom about it. And she was like, well, oh, uh, I wanted to tell you. Yeah. So I, uh, my dad had testicular cancer and they had to get a sperm donor. So my dad's not my biological father. And I met my ha- biological half sister at DragCon over the summer. <laughs> it's Whoa. just, just <laughs> shit. I, you can't write this. Like just, and I feel like a little alien that, but I love it. I love just weird shit happens to me all the time. And I kind of love it. Yeah. So actually, let me ask you another question because Voices in Your Head is your podcast and love the idea, love the conversations that are had, love part of what we talk about, again, is changing the noise because there's so much noise in our heads and challenging the status quo, which is all of the dogma that creates all of the insidious thoughts that are in our heads. Can you talk a little bit about like the origins of that and why it felt important for you to have those conversations? Um, yeah, I just wanted a space that I could be fucking weird. That's exa- that's why I wanted to have my own podcast. I, I'm really weird and I don't show it. Yeah, I, I like my, my ex and I have seven years. Like we obviously lived together for six of those years and we just were weird with each other. We just talked in weird voices and, we, and I'm a goofy fucking weirdo. And so I wanted a place where I could be goofy and weird, but also talk about this. When I discovered the trauma stuff, I was like, oh my God, these are answers to questions I never thought I'd have. I just thought I was an idiot or I thought I was stupid or I thought I was anything other than, oh, it's no, it's the chemical biology of your brain. Of course, you're developing these patterns in your adult life because they were defense mechanisms for you as a child and just finding Mm -hmm. those answers you know shot my self-confidence up like it it, and it was really important to me to share that because a lot of people have it's like 90 percent of the population has at least one adverse childhood experience and Mm -hmm. so i'm very personal on that podcast too but about things that aren't sex um, mm-hmm. so I talk up top about my personal life and then I go into like a chapter of a, the book I'm reading. So right now I'm doing, um, Nathaniel Brandon's six pillars of self-esteem mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people are lacking like really, truly healthy, sturdy self-esteem. So, and I'll buy the book for people, for listeners if they're like broke or they're short on cash and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just a really fun, I love it. I love it. And I, there's no rules cause it's just me. So I could do whatever I want. <laughs> and that, that freedom is really nice. Yeah. That's actually kind of inspiring to me because I get away with like Jack. Jacqueline is a great storyteller and she's willing to share stories from her personal experience. And I think we like our pairing works for us because she's willing to tell stories and I have the foundational sort of nerdy knowledge to kind of break it apart and make sense of it or, or the other way around. I'll like conceptualize something or explain something. And then Jacqueline would be like, 
I'll tell you what, you know, let me tell you about Tuesday night where that was real for me, you know, and then she'll just like launch into a story. I sometimes feel like I get away with it a little bit because I can just like nerd out and I don't have to share. I don't have to expose myself as much as somebody who's willing to share as much as definitely you and, and to an extent, you know, Jacqueline. Um, and I'm the more I'm sort of listening to you and, and you know, Jackie and I've been doing this for actually we told you it was one year. I fake news. I mess, I messed up. We've been doing it for over two years. I don't know how I screwed up, but anyway, time flies. No, I'm like, what have we been guys? fuck for like two years. Like I never know how many years we've been doing it. Because quarantine yeah. is both 10 minutes in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It is. Exactly. exactly. Um, so I actually like, it's kind of inspiring. You're not only doing, well, I feel like a lot of your, your stand-up comedy is very personal as well. Like you share stories yes. and, and, and you share. So you're, you're open personally, like through your comedy, through the guys we fuck podcast, and then through, um, stories in your head and it's inspiring. And you're still in one piece because I think there's a there's a part of me mm-hmm. is like a part of me in my you know back of my mind going if you tell these stories your life will crumble and you will crumble and you'll be a puddle on the floor and then someone will just like mop you up and then you'll be no, you'll be nothing you know I think there's like I think if I just like oh, that, well that's why you don't share my God <laughs> I wouldn't share either if that's what I yeah. <laughs> right well I share to make I also share so I can make sense of it because I I got I have to talk stuff out I can't I can't just sit in my own head. I have to talk stuff out and bounce them off of someone or hear how it sounds coming out of my own mouth. That's sure. how I get through it. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, I don't really recommend sharing everything the way mm-hmm. I have. Um, I, I, it works for me, but I think that it's a special kind of person that feels comfortable and almost needs to share it to mm-hmm. make sense of it herself, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's a great value in, in keeping yeah, it in too. Yeah, I think about talking things through. And I think there's also something about sh- sharing from a scar versus a wound. Like you share mm-hmm. something that feels a little bit healed, healed enough to kind of share with the world. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of ownership that comes. So I think the opposite of like the puddle, I feel much stronger having shared. Like once I like craft the story and like have the punchline, like I could tell you 20 stories about childhood trauma that all end in a joke because yeah. once I've like gotten it and it makes me feel stronger. Like I own what happened there. I see what's funny. I can like tell the story. I see all the healing that happens in other people. And I tell that story. It, just, it, it makes me feel the opposite. So now yeah. we're going to create space for you, Effie, to like this is how my story. In future episodes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I tell yeah. my stories. Uh, I'm in therapy twice a week. <laughs> so that's where I get to share my <laughs> So um, maybe it will save me money if I did one of those sessions instead, instead of a therapy <laughs> session. If I actually shared on the podcast, maybe it'll like save me some money. But uh, I mean, by, by yeah. all, I, sim- I mean, I have a similar experience of sharing and, and making sense of it through talking, talking through. I just happened to do it in a you know, in a sealed room with a professional who that's is sworn smart. to never to repeat yeah. it ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, there's, there's, that's huge. That's very valuable. That's huge. I mean, I share things with my therapist that I don't share on a podcast and that's, it's very, it's very important to have a lockbox in a person somewhere. And then if yes. they're professionally, uh, you know, they can help you professionally. That's even better. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. So one of the thing, one of the nice things about being friends with a relationship coach as Effie is mine mm-hmm. is I learned recently, we were having conversations. So I was having some struggles with my, one of my partners and I was talking to Effie about it and she was telling me about fight, flight, freeze. And then she said, and fawn. And I was like, and what is, and fawn? Like, I know fight, flight, freeze certainly, but fawn, she's like, well, fawn's another defense mechanism. It's when you're like, no, it's okay. It's great. Can I get you something? Is everything? Uh, and I was like, Oh wait! Oh <laughs> damn it! Right, like oh, my well, like right, my mom like everything about my mother like flooded into me in that moment of like my dad cursing people out in the car like as we were driving somewhere, and my mom being like, "Look at the rainbow! Look at the oh, cows in the road! Like everything is great!" And then I realized, oh, that's what I'm doing. I fall on like all the time, and I just was like pissed about it because that's not like my personal brand is not. What I know person, like, you can be logically it. so against that, yes. uh, and, and how interesting, yeah. Or when the mom or when one of the parents, um, their emotions is the most important emotion in the household. So the kids' emotions don't matter. So you, you, you learn to aim both your antennas towards that parent and no antenna towards you. And then the whole life you're like, I got to fucking bend this antenna towards me to figure out what, but you've, I I've had no opinion on so many things in most of my relationships. And it's like, fuck that. Like I do have so many opinions and it's just, you go offline. And my yes. the big thing, my therapist was teaching me is don't get mad at yourself. Your brain had to do that because your brain is this mm-hmm. brilliant 
organized thing that when you were a child, that's what allowed you to survive because you couldn't feel those. You couldn't feel that mommy's Mm -hmm. trying to kill me as a child or you would die like you. Um, your heart would give it like it, it just you can't your brain protects you in ways that yeah. you learn to not hate as an adult and you learn to understand, I guess. Well, yeah. one of the things that I struggle with, I'm interested if you've had this experience is like what got me here won't get me there. Right. So like my brain needed to do that to survive. I needed to mm-hmm. be the adult as a kid and like take care of my parents emotionally and like take care of my siblings and like make sure. And now I'm a strategist. Like the thing that I do mm. is think into the future and prevent things from happening. Like I work with people Whoa. and companies to like analyze the hell out of everything and to navigate through change and make sure that everyone's okay. And in my personal life, that is like not okay, right? Like I can't be thinking 12 steps ahead of my relationship and constantly, because what I was doing for a long time was constantly manipulating. I was living in fear. I was over controlling everything. And that made me really successful at work. And a lot of challenges personally. And that's one of the things I've been over the past few years trying to do is like compartmentalize, oh, the thing, the survivor skill that got me to this point is actually going to inhibit me moving forward. Like Mm -hmm. I've grown past that skill and I need to now do something different. But how do you like reteach your brain? And that's what I'm Yeah. 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 My therapist, because she knows about everything I do. uh, She was like, wow, look at, she told me, she always tells me how resourceful I am. And there was this one instance where I brought it up on guys we fucked once. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know why I just remember this very clearly, but I do. Um, when I was in fourth grade and my teacher, uh, female teacher about my mom's age, I, I remember feeling like I had a crush on her. And I remember there was this one day in fourth grade where we were doing these worksheets about ourselves. And one of the things we had to put down was our weight. And I weighed like 76 pounds or whatever the hell a fourth grader weighs. And Miss the, the teacher was going around to each desk that's just checking in on everybody. And I remember when she came to mind, I covered the the weight with my hand and I started to cry and she was like, honey, oh my God. And and I, I remember that very clearly. And what I always asked myself about that was like, where did I learn to be weird about my weight? Cause I'm not weird about, I don't have body issues. Uh, that's just one of the, one of the few things I don't have. And, uh, but I'm like, I wonder if like an adult in my life, like taught me how I had to learn that somewhere. And my teacher or my, my teacher, my therapist was like, no, 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 you were getting the love you needed from an adult woman. You were getting comforted by an adult woman. You were so resourceful. You didn't even know that you were doing this, but you pretended to be insecure about your weight. Cause I was like, I don't have anybody in my life that was weird with weight. Uh, so that, oh, this woman could comfort you because your mother was not comforting you. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and so she goes, now look at your career. You are seen and heard in a way you wanted your mom to see you and hear you. That's one of the reasons I share. Um, so I'm like, well, get out of town. Yeah. I feel I, I mean, I, I can't see me in the world. I'm making like mind blowing. Mind blowing. Action. <laughs> right. I think like, Effie and I are both like, yes, that is what's happening. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because I think we both, we all, all three of us have similar ways, like similar ways of coming to what we do now. And in my situation, I hope oh, my mom also has a personality disorder, makes her very unstable emotionally. Um, she's borderline. And so as I was growing up, one oh. of the things, one of the things that I mastered is like n- just n- knowing all the micro signals of what it looks like for someone's mood to change. So it just makes Egg me very <laughs> exactly, exactly eggshells. Um, I, I like a little bit more like pins, upside down pins. <laughs> for if you uh, <laughs> if it's borderlines, it's kind of scary. Um, but so what it, I just mastered is like I can I can see someone's emotions coming before they know what's what's hit them you know before they know what how they feel i can sense it um it's like like hyper empath and it's because i i had to i had to because i you know that was how i stayed safe so in my personal life uh, like like jackie said it's hard for me to be in people with people because i don't if i'm not careful i don't give them time to feel their own feelings you know and i'm i'm in in their yes. heads you know i'm in their heads knowing oh. how they're feeling before they do so i just like i just like bypass a lot of things whereas like i should just let people like come to you know where they're at on their own yeah however naturally express their own feelings yeah 
Right, right. <laughs> Except it makes me really good at my job because when I'm coaching people and right. you know and they're working through relationships, I can like, oh, like, do you wanna like do you wanna voice how you're feeling right now? And if they're stuck, um I can like I can help them, I can coax it out, you know, and it just makes me really good at my job, but not necessarily good at relationships myself. So Yeah. But oh, you know, it's the same, same, same. Yeah. yeah. It looks like we've all sublimated. This idea of sublimation. <laughs> have you heard of this? Uh I've not. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of sublimation is it's one of the defense mechanisms, actually. It is when you take something that is traumatic to you and you turn it into something good. Mm, it's like one of the core, yeah, yeah. one of the 10 original defense mechanisms. So it looks like we um, are sublimators. It's one of the good ones. Yes. Yeah. I, I wonder if that there's a direct link bet- uh, with, with sublimation and kink. Mm, yeah, like healing through kink or taking something that feels traumatic or painful and creating comfort. Yeah, I used to have this huge fear that I was going to get cheated on. And I did get cheated on uh, by two boyfriends. And then I kind of turned it on its head. And I was like, well, if I can control getting cheated on, it's happening because I wanted it to happen. Then that rules. And But I am really turned on by it. But I wonder if that's why. That's interesting. So I'm the same, right? I have tons of trust issues. And even though I'm in an open relationship, struggle still with jealousy and territorialism and all those sorts of things. And fantasize constantly about my partners with other people. Now, if that in real life, I want to like burn the house down, right? Like I'm still in the struggle to like be, but like that's all like to get off. That is the thing that I need to get to is think about them. And, and it didn't make sense to me. And at some point I thought like, right, I'm trying to control the story. I'm trying to be able to like get empowered by it or I'm trying to figure out how to turn. But what you're saying makes sense, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, because it is, to me, it is so hot. It's yeah. hot to see your partner have sex, not yeah. when you're not underneath them, you know? Like you, but I, there's also this, yeah, and, and, and cuckolding can have like a humiliation, usually it has a humiliation factor, but it depends on who you're with and how much you trust mm-hmm. them to rev that up or just kind of keep that on hold. But like, yeah, I, I think about that often and, and fortunately it doesn't ruin the kink for me because I do enjoy how much I like it. So I don't want to ruin it for myself. Right, by like overanalyzing it, yes. you know, But I really do like it. So I'm like, that might be why and that's cool. Uh-huh. I know, Effie, analyze it. Yeah, no, I'm like, I have yeah. questions. That I'm like, I've, I've, I've got a curiosity. So can I ask you about your cuckolding and how you feel about it? Because I'm kind of curious about that. Sure. Can you tell me like what does what that looks like for you? It's specifically your partner having sex with somebody else? Yes. Yeah. Uh, how my ex and I did it was we downloaded this app that was formerly called Thrinder. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Field now. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted him to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to approve everything, but I, I like sat on the <laughs> throne and goes, yes, yes, no, no, no. Like, but he had to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he liked that. It's like, oh, boohoo, you got to flirt with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we would go on dates uh, with a girl. And we've done that tw- twice. We did it where we went on a date and then we, we made a time in a future date mm-hmm. to have sex. That was years ago um, when mm-hmm. I was doing that with my my ex. And so just the act of doing it. So when he found out I had that kink, it took, we incorporated it into our dirty talk. It mm. took a year for me to want to make a move on mm. it, to actually put it into motion. I go mm-hmm. very slow. It takes me a very long time to be comfortable sexually with a person, mm. uh, with a thing I have never done before. It just takes a while. And I really respect my own pace. So I, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. And so about a year later, after talking about it, we uh, will go on these dates and then it would happen. We would go. And so on the date, like the date that we would sleep with the person, we would take them out for drinks and dinner or whatever, and then come back to our place. And uh, we would kind of, but during dinner, we would say like, this is what I would love to see. And what would you like to see? And it's just so open and nice. And people in the kink community, like the, the number one thing that's in the backbone of every single conversation or that has to be is trust. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird, like to be able to trust somebody that I don't know that well. And I really did trust her. It's interesting, but like kink allowed me to do that, but I wanted to see them have sex with each other. Uh, and mm-hmm. me like kind of in the corner, sometimes like her and I would play. Um, and then he would watch. But what I was really like with the, the grand finale for me was watching him fuck her. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. And was so. there a certain tone set? Like you say, cause there's this cuckolding sometimes has the, the, like a degradation built into it. Right. Yeah, I, I want to eventually uh, incorporate that, but that I know will take a long-term partner. I'm single, so I don't, and I'm mm-hmm. not even 
I don't even have a crush on anybody. I, there's just still waters uh, during COVID. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would eventually want to incorporate that. But that was not incorporated in my last with that guy. And then I did when I was, you know, with this, I had a three way with two guys. One was a porn star. <gasps> That was like the best. I heard about that. I heard, I heard this oh, episode man. actually. You were like, Ooh. that was the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah. I was like, I'm the shit. Like <laughs> it was the best night of my life. <laughs> nice. Okay. So that's interesting. Do you, do you I'm know why? The ball. <laughs> yeah. um, do you know why? Do you know what happened? You know what the story you have in your mind when you are, when you are being cuckolded, when you're in that experience, like do you have access to like, oh, like the story, the thing that gets me, like, the, the underlying dynamics, like yeah. you know, getting me wet is... That you like her better than me. Yeah, that's mm. it. You, you're you more, tra- like, I need to pretend that you like her better in that moment. And mm. obviously, what better way to solidify that than to fuck her? Sure. <laughs> and you're not fucking me. So that's it. So, because, what, like, I go, I watch porn and cuck, well, it's called cuck queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that word annoys me? Uh, when it's a woman getting cuckolded. Mm-hmm. Usually cuckold, if you look at cuckold porn, it's a guy watching another guy have sex with his partner, right. his yeah. female partner. But I don't like that one. Uh, it's fine, but I—that's not the one that gets me off. Um, but that the porn that I watch—that's queening, I guess. There is a lot of humiliation, and I'm like, oh, that I almost come too quick. I'm like, woo, okay, well, <laughs> nice. Yeah, there, there's like so many things happening in my head right now. Like I'm trying to—I'm trying to connect all these dots for myself because I don't. I'm thinking now. I almost experience myself when I fantasize about it as me being that person. So it's almost like it is not me, but I'm imagining what it is like for them to experience my partner for the first time. And so I'm like watching her pleasure. Like I would want to be there and watch because I'm almost want to be like, look at it. Like, like I know how good this is. I want you to experience how good this is. Yes. That honestly, that was really what was in my head when I did it with my ex. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's definitely a masochistic tone to it, right? There's like a mass. It's like a sure because you know, that's why I'm like I think if I was gonna put it under a bucket, I would put it under masochism because there's like an emotional masochism mm-hmm. to it, especially your version yeah. of it. I don't necessarily think Jackie, your version has as much as a like a masochistic tone to it than Christina's because I think yours is like a fascination and and there's almost like compersion in there of like uh-huh. whoa, I know I know how good this relationship, how good this experience yeah. is. Love that word. Yes. Yeah. I also think it's just variety. Like I get bored really easily. So I think that if I can't switch up partners, at least in my head, I can switch up me. (laughs) So it's the same person, but like they're sleeping with other people, like fantasizing. So at least there feels like variety there or like one of the, so there was a short time recently, actually during quarantine where my partner was dating somebody else and they were sleeping together. And one night I like had her share out with me, like, you know all their sexual experiences oh that's fun and then like i got off and then she got off like watching me get off and then we had sex like talking about it and thinking about it and it was just like there was like lots of things happening but then afterwards i was like oh like i didn't know i was almost like kink shaming myself like we just got off about her telling me about her with someone else and like and then i felt like that like how would that person feel about that like is that okay for them like it just i got to in my head and so to your point of like i'm trying not to like rationalize the things too much to get me off overanalyze um, yeah yes i don't want to overanalyze but yes see i love see this is this is what i mean christina when we share <laughs> out all the things now we're like yeah. me too yeah that's why that yeah. platform is so important so yeah. you've done threesomes have you ever done non-monogamy have you ever been in a relationship with more than one person? No, no. I really, I think I'm emotionally monogamous. I, I'm not sexually monogamous, but uh, I think I'm emotional. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I have not uh, had sex in seven months. I've never gone that long in my life without having sex, and uh, it's been very interesting. So at this point, I just want somebody to look at me, and I'll come. So I, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't. All of that stuff is just so far from my head because I'm like, I just, I, I, I've been doing so much work on myself and it's been so invaluable that I just want, I think after court, I don't know. I don't even know how to meet people anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess dating apps, but I see the worst of people in dating apps and I'm like, ugh, I am so easily disappointed and turned off. Mm-hmm. I love you reading the dating apps conversations that you, <laughs> that, that they, I, I like, lol for reals and like a part of me is like yeah. disgusted a part of me is like amazed that people uh-huh. are saying that stuff and then it's a big part of me that's just like laughing and laughing and laughing and it's funny it's yeah so funny. 
but that's partially because I do Fuckboy Fridays and I read people because I don't exaggerate any of that. It's a, it's <laughs> verbatim. You you don't have to you don't have to think of anything. Uh, you just read what's there, and uh, that also turns me off to it because I'm like, oh god. A lot of my closest friends are straight males and they're great guys. And I'm like, thank God I have those men in my life to remind me that men aren't all like the fuckboy Friday guys that I see. Because mm-hmm. yeah. boy, are they out of touch and not in their own body. Oh, my God. No. I have to talk to Effie about, you know, people like, well, guys will like DM me because of the podcast or because of the work that we do at Curious Fox or there. And I respond to each one and Effie's like, stop responding to people. But I feel bad. I'm like, you don't owe anyone anything. Right. And I'm like, thank you so much. Like smiley face. But then now we have to have a conversation. Now they keep wanting to to, to message. And they won't stop messaging you. And that's okay because you open up the channel, but you don't. So what I do a lot of times is when I realize what I've been doing and I'm, I'm responding as if I think I have to respond, you don't owe anyone anything and they and they know that they're not you know even if they're like what the fuck where are you like fucking get over it let's talk to somebody in your actual life so like that's what i tell myself in in case you know when i talk back of like what if they're upset it doesn't matter you don't know them because my therapist is like you think you can earn love by doing 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 and you don't have to do anything ding 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 (laughs) so many of my girlfriends who are formally formally exclusively dating and having sex with men are with women now and i'm Mm. like i think there's something to that and i don't so it's it's to the point where so many of my friends and so many people in pop culture are Mm. marrying women and being with women after be and i'm like I, I don't know if it's because I certainly don't want to be disrespectful to anybody's sexuality, but I but and because I don't want somebody to think that they're an experiment to me. But however, I want to try to date a woman. I uh, although I don't know if I could date. I don't know if it would work, but I my brain is telling me that I feel like that's a good idea. I think you should just try everything. Yeah. It's life's an experiment. Just yeah. just do the thing. I was with my I was with my ex husband for eleven years. Was with men wow. all exclusively before that. Always was interested in women, but then didn't. And now I've been married to a woman for seven years. I have wow. another partner that we've been together. Another woman for two years. So I've only been with women since then. And it is. I like. I like the set. I think I remember right after I had sex with a woman for the first time with my with my wife. I remember saying like when they separated us in middle school and like put the boys in one room and the girls in the other to talk about like hygiene and menstruation, all that stuff, they should like start the menstruation video and then like cut it out and be like, listen, girls, let me tell you something. You go, we're going to close the doors. Everyone just start making out with each other because there's something about like, like, I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have known, like, try something with a woman first and see. And if you're like, oh, yeah, this is not my jam, then keep it moving and like penises all day. But just, just to try it, there's, there's emotional connectivity and like some like physical energy. Yeah. You know, and obviously sex to me is not just a body, like it's the body part doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, uh, but it's the connectedness and, and, and I'm coming across men who, and I know it's hashtag not all men, but it really is, is burdens. It's a, it's a thought in my head often. I'm not seeing any examples of men working on themselves mm-hmm. and diving into their own psyche and being curious about themselves and wanting to be a better partner and what. And I only see that from women. And I'm like, that is one of the, that is going to be a deal breaker for me in my next relationship because mm-hmm. I'm not a fucking, I'm not your mom. I'm not your babysitter. I'm not your sister. I'm your partner. And in order for a, a relationship to work for me, you have to be just as curious about yourself as I am about myself. And you have to improve yourself, not because I inspired you to, but because you want to, because that's the only way it's going to stick. And I've just never, I, I don't even hear about men who do that. And I, and I, and I, I know they, they, they must, some of them must, but it, it seems to me that only women are going deep like that. And that's something I value that's a core value of mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's good. Think of like your best friend when you have great conversation with, and then yeah. you guys make out and then, you know. Yeah. Like, that sounds great. There. And my yeah. particular flavor is androgynous women. So I get like male energy plus like yeah. all the female conversation and like touching yeah. and yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Highly recommend. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. I found that the women that I connect with, I have connected with, have been women have been who my friends. The running joke I always say is I fuck my friends. Like that is 
people like, what are you into? I'm like, I fuck my friends. It's really simple. <laughs> Whether it's a friend that I've just <laughs> yeah. made and, 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 and even if it's a sex party and I'm having sex with somebody brand new, it would have been because we somehow managed friend, like the, the, rela- the flavor of the relationship is friendship. And then it, you know, and mm-hmm. then we, and then we have sex. And then any partner that I've had, it was also like friends that was friends then that went into like a sexual relationship. So, uh, and that's also been my experience with women, friends who I've then ended up fucking. So, in short, I fuck my friends. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the way. Because Effie talked about not sharing story. I think that we should end with Effie sharing that story. <laughs> yeah. We think we should go. I think we need to go into rapid fire. I think I'm going to ask you some questions. Sure. And you can let us know what you think as quickly as you think of it. All right. One piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love, sex, or relationships? Take your time. Mm. Nice. What is one romantic or sexual adventure on your bucket list? I don't know. I have to have an, I just want to have sex. You know? Like I, I just I just I haven't had sex in so long. It's a physiological need. I'm I'm swimming, I'm drowning out here in this ocean. I, honestly, the only thing I could think of is just to have sex. I, I can't even think of a bucket list right now because um, I don't have any partners. Um, how do you how do you challenge the status quo? By being vulnerable. Mm. Yes. Um, What are you curious about lately? Lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Women and women and having sex with women. Yes. 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 So we're going to end on those things. We're going to end on (laughs) Effie has sex with friends. Christina wants to try being with a woman. What what, what should I reveal as my last declaration? I'm interested in virtual play parties. Now that we are all like, we can't have a a real one. NSFW has them, I think. Ah, I'm interested in, yeah. Or even, or like a private curated one. I'm interested in like a curated, like friends only, invitation only. Oh, that sounds fun. That's what I'm interested in. Mm. A virtual sex party? Like a curated curated Mm -hmm. sex, is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. I don't know, man. This has been a thing since COVID. I just can't get it up for one. I've had so many people invite me to them. People even ask me to do like play party etiquette for like, like for the virtual stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just can't get it up for one. If you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, on the note that Effie likes for sex with friends, but no sex parties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Wow. That was a lot of fun. So let's see. What were our takeaways? Three things I think for me, I think, be vulnerable, be curious, and <laughs> just enjoy the ride. I feel like mm-hmm. everything that she was talking about was like leaning into vulnerability, leaning into figuring out who you are, and then just kind of doing the thing. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that actually that, that stood out for me, and we were joking with you about this, but like the power of storytelling, like mm-hmm. the power that stories tell. And for some of us, like for me, it feels empowering. For you, you said, you know, it feels vulnerable and scary, but in either way, being able to voice one's truth and have space for that is really important. Sure, sure. And I think I made a commitment that I will tell more stories, yes. but maybe um, we'll delete that from the episode. <laughs> no, I thought you did a beautiful <laughs> job in the episode with Jesse Fresh and you shared a lot Thank of you. stories. Yes, Thank yes. You. So maybe the takeaway is that I can't be there. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh-huh. And then, of course, my last takeaway is that every woman should try to have sex with a woman. I mean, just try. That is all that I'm saying. I cannot concur more. Um, But of course, don't forget, everyone, always ask for consent. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So to find out more about Christina Hutchinson and her work, you can visit her website, ChristinaHutchinson.com, or on IG at Christina Hutch. And you can follow us while you're on there at We Are Curious Foxes. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can find us on Patreon. And if you become a patron, then you can have access to all of the videos for the workshops that we have done. If you go to our website, you can find blogs. You can find access to our podcast. You can find a bunch of cool stuff that's there. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, then I'm going to invite you to like, review, and share. It makes a difference. Our goal is to change the noise. And so if you are a part of that mission, if you want more of this out there in the world, then like it, review it, share it. If you have ideas for us on what we could be doing on this podcast, then you can shoot us an email 
at listening at We Are Curious Foxes. And if you want to ask us a question, and if you like the sound of your own voice, then you can call us and leave us a question or a story, and we can play it on the episode and share out an answer. And the phone number to call us is 201-870-0063. Many thanks to Christina for joining us. Thank you, Foxes, for listening. And of course, as always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.